Welcome. You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Nordics, a podcast constructed to enrich our tech community by connecting some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I am Christopher Asbridge, and I help connect businesses with talented freelancers, and I will be your host. Okay, here we go. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Podcast. Today here, I'm joined by Carl from Haiq. Got Andy from Majority and Lobo from HelloFresh, all are heads of mobile. So this is going to be a quite an interesting podcast because we're here to talk about building, building, managing and maintaining mobile teams. But before we delve any deeper, let's go around the table and do some brief introductions. Um, Carl, can you go first for us, please? Yeah, sure. My name is Carl Sager. As you said, I am the head of mobile at HiQ. I've been in the industry for roughly 25 years. I've been doing Android development since the last 13 or so. Uh, I released a small calendar widget called Smooth Calendar back in the day so that has a couple of million downloads on Google Play. Uh, since then, I've been working exclusively with mobile apps development, mainly Android, but a little bit of iOS as well. And I'm currently managing the everything that has to do anything with mobile apps at HiQ. So that's me. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much, Carl. And we'll move on to Andy. Do you mind if we do a brief introduction of you? Yeah, my name's Andy Kaminsky. I'm from the UK, but lived in Sweden for seven years now. Um, I've been in software development for 20 years, uh, and much of that as a developer, um, working with a range of front-end technologies. But when the iPhone arrived, I jump on that, and I've been in mobile development ever since. And then over the last sort of, yeah, seven-ish years, I transitioned into more of a leadership role. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. And last but mine beans, nowhere least, Lobo, um, can you mind to introduce yourself, please? Yes, happy to do so. So my name is Lobo Olson. Um, might not be the least, but I'm probably the one with the fewest years of experience in this group. I've been working in the IT sector for about 10 years. I'm a bit of a jack of all trade, almost got into the military as a career officer but ended up studying design and product development in university. Um, because of a bunch of coincidences, I ended up working at a hosting company after I graduated. Uh, and that's where I really got into kind of the IT part of things. And from there, I worked with backend development, frontend development, cross-platform technologies, and, and now also on this mobile side at HelloFresh. Okay, awesome, fantastic. Now everyone sort of knows each other and the listeners know who everyone is. Let's move on to the topic in focus. Now we've all um, we all know about mobile and we're here to talk about building and managing and maintaining mobile teams. Each of you have came with a question or phrase that you'd like to discuss. And um, so what we'll do, move around the table and we'll discuss it as per usual. And um, what we're gonna do, we'll start with Carl first. Now, Carl. You came quite quite straightforward, and I love, love the question that you posed: is how to attract and keep mobile app developers. Now, could you just elaborate a little bit further for me, please? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're all dependent on having uh, mobile app developers uh, within our organizations, and with the market being like it is today, with the additional abilities that has been opened up with the pandemic. Now, when we see remote working as a feasible option for everyone. How do we attract and keep mobile app developers working within our organizations? That is kind of the 
the question. Yeah. Right, chaps, just feel free to, to free flow and conversation. Feel free to <laughs> jump straight in there with any questions. My, um, I can jump in here. My first question that pops up in this in my mind when I hear this question is, what What do we mean with attract? Is this more about like having more people reaching out, looking for for opportunities as Haikyuu, or is this more about like when we try to call people, find them on LinkedIn, that we are a known brand and they've, they've heard of the company? Or is this more about getting like people actually accepting the offer at the end of the recruitment process? Because I think those are three quite different yeah. things around attraction. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think of the first two, probably, when I, when I kind of uh, formulated this question, it's more like, uh, making uh, mobile app developers aware of your company, of your products, of what you are doing, about the fact that you are looking for mobile app developers, but also obviously when you reach out to them so that they kind of, uh, they understand what you, what your company is doing, what you are offering. So yeah, mainly mainly like brand, brand recognition. How do we get the developers to to understand what we are doing. And I think this this is a bit, uh, it differs depending on what kind of company you are, obviously. Um, if you are kind of known for doing like a mobile application, then obviously mobile app developers will be aware of you if they are aware of your brand in any sense. But uh, like for Haikyuu, for example, we are like a IT consultancy firm. We do everything and uh, mobile apps is not our largest business area in any sense. So for us, it's always a, a, yeah, like a branding issue. Do, do people even know that we are, that we are doing mobile apps development? And if I am a mobile apps developer looking for a new assignment for new, for new place to work, will I think of Haikyuu or will I think of someone else? Yeah, I, I think um, like it's two very different problems, isn't it? The attract and the retrain, re retain. But the, the attract side, yeah, it's the, the employer branding is a big deal, right? And there you just have to work hard at it, right? You have to put yourself out there, whether that's sponsorships or talking or going on podcasts. You, know, you have to raise your brand awareness in some way. I mean, what what I do, what I do see through the recruitment process is this sort of three key things, which is you know, the team and the tech and the mission, right? And normally it's it's the mission that initially hooks the developer to have some curiosity, but it's probably the engagement with the team and the people they get to work with, and to some extent, the tech and the, the ways of working and stuff that actually convinces them to take the jump and join your company, right? So that's maybe, may, maybe you're more near, near the first one, but it's how you kind of frame the mission and the project to initially hook them to take that, that first call, I think. That's that's the challenge or the key to unlocking more people being attracted. That's what that's what I've seen anyway. What 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 I've seen in that area because I, because I definitely think that the discussion about like are you a visible brand or are you someone working more behind the scenes is a very very relevant one because if if you have a brand that is more visible you can leverage that and and I know a lot of bus that happened internally at HelloFresh on on some of some of the some other apps that got released a while back um within the kind of food space and people were kind of downloading them looking at them and they were like oh this is a very smooth transition this is a cool animation so doing these kind of delight things within your apps or apps that are related to your brand 
it's one way of kind of showcasing that that you're doing cool stuff and that you kind of care about the mobile quality but but if your brand is not the one that is shown on those apps that you built then you need to kind of showcase this these skills and the challenges that you are facing and the opportunities you give your developers through through other means which has obviously been a bit difficult during corona a lot of conferences etc has been cancelled but doing some kind of online learning sessions perhaps having something like a coffee talk or like get to know this developer type of sessions where you kind of can build a bit of a brand name around certain projects or certain people within the company to kind of showcase the team and and the things the team is doing i I think that is a key tool in terms of getting this kind of not hype but kind of interest going yeah i completely agree and i mean we are all using apps in our daily lives and obviously stuff that is well written or that kind of as you say, Google now these days talk about the delight factor, but whenever you like, oh, this is smooth and this is well done. And this is from like a, from a developer standpoint, this is a, this is a nice craft. Obviously that would attract you to, to that company. Mm. I, I wondered if, are, are you trying to attract and hire um, developers of all skill levels? Or do you lean more towards the senior side as a, yeah. as a consultancy agency? Uh, yeah, as obviously all our clients want people that have 20 years experience, but they should not cost any money and they should all be 12 sure, years sure. old. And yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, so I, I try to attract people from all different levels of uh, competence because I think that people who are allowed to give space and allowed to grow uh, is very good for you as well. And at Haiku, we have a, a internal studio where we do project deliveries for our clients, where we we are not just uh, supplying the manpower, but we're actually managing the project from, from start to, to finish. And this is proven to be a very good place for uh, junior developers to kind of cut their teeth and get to work together with people who has been in the industry for, for some time and, and learn the trades. So. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I can see that, that if you're able to bring in more junior talent, then one of the things you can do to attract them, right, is to offer that mentorship and training and proximity to really experienced developers. I think that's very attractive to, to people on a certain uh, part of their trajectory. Yeah. Can I just also interject that with, with talent and trying to attract more talent, have you ever thought about using the meetup events that a lot of developers use? Yeah. That, that, that's quite a successful way and um, just to get even branding out there for the company itself and say hey look, look at us looking for work etc yeah yeah i think it's good and uh, now with the pandemic actually kind of dying down i guess we will see a lot of more of the the uh, possibilities to, to have like physical interaction with people in the communities so i think that would be really good uh, yeah, I was. I'm also thinking about the assignment part, and this is something that I thought would be interesting to kind of discuss with you guys. Seeing the difference between being like a product company, where you kind of have one product or uh, at least a subset of products that you're working on, uh, compared to like in our case being a consultancy firm, where you could maybe end up working on on like any project. You have you have some say some say on the projects yourself, but I mean it's not like uh, if you if you are not super keen on the actual product, 
do you, how do you feel that that kind of affects the the um, desire for the developers to to uh, work for you? For example, in in the HelloFresh case, if you are not if you are not super interested in food in delivering uh, uh, dinners to people, for example. If, uh, so I mean, you could obviously be super excited about the tech around doing this, but do you feel that it's uh, different in 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 our capabilities of attracting people if if we are like a product company or if we are like a, a IT consultancy business? I I definitely think so. Uh, and in the case with, with HelloFresh specifically, we have a lot of people applying to us specifically because they like the product. They think yep. the service is cool or they like our focus on sustainability. Uh, so like I would say probably 50% of of the people that I interview in, in final interviews, they explicitly state that they're excited by HelloFresh as a company. And, and the tech is kind of a something they've seen during the, the journey as part of the kind of recruitment process, but that was not the reason they reached out to us. So I, I think that has a very, very big impact, but I think also kind of a upside you have as, as a, agency or a consultancy is the fact that people can try to do a lot of things and, and connecting that back to kind of the retention part of your question uh, because a, a product company can get into trouble further down the road like you've been working at HelloFresh for two three years uh, and you kind of turn into oh I'm the I don't know recipe display guy I, I only work with kind of our recipe cards and the new designs and, and the new requirements for accessibility or making sure that this thing now works in a left to right and the right to left language. Um, so there can be a certain sense of novelty working with agencies and consultancies uh, that, that you have to do more deliberate in a product company. Um, and, and in the case of HelloFresh, this is something we're actively working with an internal rotation mechanism to kind of allow people to try new things. Uh, but end of the day, they will still be working on HelloFresh, which is kind of the same code base with the same kind of old code smells uh, that's been built in for a number of years now. Uh, and the same tech decisions that they might not find as exciting any longer for one reason or another. I think leveraging that part in, in an agency uh, and being able to kind of highlight the ability to people to kind of maybe try out new tech. Hey, now you can build something here with Jetpack Compose and you don't need to worry about kind of migrating all of this old use. You can kind of try out this technology from a clean slate and, and learn it and build things according to the current best practices instead of having to live with the best practices that existed four years ago or whatever. I, I think this is a very strong point to, to try to leverage for retention. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I've done both of those roles, like a developer for a product company and, and as a consultant. And I think one of the one of the nice things about working as a consultant is that it really is, it's not about the product or the mission, it's really about the craft, right? And there's a real satisfaction, I think, in being helicoptered in as an expert and then having a focused challenge or problem to work on for a period of time, and then moving on to a new challenge and a new challenge, it really helps you to hone your craft. 
and to focus on on that side of your career and your development. And I, I get I guess as there are plenty of people that are very interested in that, that's what to lean into, right? That would be my feeling anyway. Yep. Yeah. So basically, hire more contractors. <laughs> well, kind of, but but I also do think they are, to some extent, different types of people, and or maybe people yeah, being in sure. different parts of their career. Uh, I've also had quite a few people I've talked to recently that that reached out to HelloFresh specifically because they were working in an agency setting, and they were kind of tired about this short-term focus and not being able to kind of grow with the product oh we delivered this project in six months and now i don't know what's happening with it because the delivery is over and i'm moving on to something else um so i think there are pros and cons in both both worlds and i think it's about kind of identifying which people like which world better and and kind of try to help them along their that journey Okay, awesome, awesome. There's been obviously quite a lot of discussion there. Carl, do you have any closing questions or? No, I think that it's uh, yeah. I think we kind of share the same view on this topic, and I think uh, yeah, I think it was good. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Well, let's move on. Um, next person we'll come to is you, Andy. Um, I know when I reached out to yourself. You wanted to talk about how to support individual growth and create development in mobile app developers. And um, we split into two parts in A, in small organizations, or as B, as the organization grows. Um, do you mind if you just elaborate a bit more for me, please? Sure, yeah. It's, it's a little bit of the flip side of what we were just talking about in a way, which is, you know, I think if, if you're in a product company and especially sort of in a startup scale up phase, and you have a smallish team, then you're very much focused on meeting the immediate needs of the business, right? So it's not really about um, developing your craft or personal growth. It, it, it's really much more focused towards meeting the needs of the business. And that maybe comes to some extent at the expense of kind of planning and developing for, for, the, for the long term. And so really, yeah, that, that's where my interest or, or or my thinking for the question came how could how to kind of or balance or at least have some aspect of that long-term thinking of developing the the individual and the team uh while essentially your main responsibility and focus is is meeting the, the shorter term uh technical needs of the business follow-up question to that then so do you mean this is more about how to grow the people for the needs of the growing organization or or is this something to do kind of besides whatever is going on with the the organization i i think it i'm trying to i mean that's part of it for sure but I, actually i meant it a little more on how to how to grow the individual for the benefit of the individual Right. How, how not to, because so much of the focus is on the, the needs of the business, how also to meet the kind of the career and growth needs of, of each individual member of the team. OK. Yeah, I think I think the, the I mean, the need for personal growth and development, that's going to be like a constant need or something that you want to satisfy independently if it's a small organization or if it's a huge organization. 
uh, and I think this is always like the the factor that we tend to forget to to bring into the balance when when we look at stuff like time plans and so on. I mean, we need to give the developers space to actually develop as developers as well. So I mean, just being able to look at Jetpack Compose, for example, even if you're doing XML views all day long, it's it's something that they will need to do. But obviously, it's it's um, it's always a constraint, especially as a startup where your time tends to be the limiting factor and you want to do everything as fast as possible. But I think in the long run for every business, it's important to kind of find the the time for people to be able to grow as developers as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I think an important factor here is being kind of explicit about it um and and having something like a bi-weekly development day or a monthly development day uh, and having someone who explicitly say okay i'm going to take responsibility for that and and in a small organization this can be fairly fairly organic like if you're four developers five developers working on one particular platform like that's a small enough group that they can kind of manage themselves as long as someone has said yeah i'm i'm going to kind of take a look at this. While in a slightly larger organization, you you might need someone who's more, more directly appointed. Like in HelloFresh, we have then an explicit role, which we call uh, a chapter lead, uh, stolen from, from the Spotify naming, even though the, the role in practice works very differently. It kind of coordinates these kind of learning activities across all iOS or across all Android engineers. Um, but but I, I think having something like that, and then if time is a factor or business things are kind of business critical, maybe try to tailor those learning commitments a bit towards things that are more important short term. While if you're a larger organization or at least an organization with a more bit more headroom, you you can have less control over the kind of topics they should try to focus on. But at least make sure that it's a explicitly pointed out and kind of booked into the calendar uh, so it doesn't kind of slip like it usually does yeah I, I think I think that's a great point and it, it, it like you say it's it's easy to let that slip right I mean but it, it doesn't take a huge amount of organization to make it happen either so yeah I think that's a, a really good point Carl what are your thoughts on it yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. And as I said before, I think it's it's really important to find the the time, even even when time is of of the essence and when it's time critical to get stuff to the market. I think it's important. And like Lobo said, maybe then try to steer the the growth process in a direction that actually benefits the current product that you're working on or the or the team as a whole. But uh, uh, yeah, I think it's important not to skip this because it's it's we always end up skipping all the stuff that is good for people just to kind of deliver the product and then then in the mm -hmm. end people are going to quit instead. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, it comes back to your your yeah. second part of your question, which we didn't touch on much, right, of of retention of, you know, how can you how can you meet like uh, the long term needs of a person so that they they kind of grow and are fulfilled within 
within the working context. No. Yeah, and I mean, also as an organization, this is important because you want your developers to grow because you want them to evolve and become better developers, obviously. So, I mean, it's it's a win-win. We just need to keep the, not trying to skimp out on that when, when time is uh, limited. And I also think it's important to try to frame this in terms of some kind of business goal and objectives. Like no, no business has an objective about losing people. <laughs> so for me, <laughs> in terms of like, this helps us retain people, but they're also kind of connecting it to particular challenges that the business is facing. We had one of these learning days fairly recently for our Android developers. Uh, and we are doing quite a lot of architectural work at HelloFresh right now. Um, and we decided to focus this, or we, the chapter lead in question, I'm not going to take credit for it, uh, decided to focus this particular day, uh, even though it was kind of a learning day, he said, okay, the focus here is on, on Katie Lynn and how we could leverage that as a tool. And then people could explore whatever they wanted around Katie Lynn. Some built custom linting rules, some looked at how you could hook up other tools to Katie Lynn, et cetera. But at the end of the day, we had a whole bunch of ideas on how we could automatically fix some of these architectural challenges we were looking at or, or better identify them automatically as part of our CI. So we solved things that we've identified as, as business critical issues while still allowing people to explore fairly freely. Um, and I think that's a way of kind of connecting the business needs with the individual development needs. Yeah, I, I like that. I've, I've seen, um, you know, hackathons work really well with a defined problem, but then a fair amount of freedom. But there's a slight nuance to changing it to a, a learning day where it, it, it changes it. It changes the context of how you spend your time a little bit, right? From having to deliver something to, to being able to explore something. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like that. That's nice. Yeah. Okay, amazing, amazing. Obviously, we spoke quite a bit there. Andy, do you have any sort of closing questions or statements around your question? No, I think some some great input there. I think um, it's it sounds like a say same as the first question, right? These are fundamental uh, responsibilities and therefore problems of uh, someone with our kind of role. So yeah, good to hear what the guys the guys input there. Okay, so just a question from my behalf is obviously when you look at the individual growth of a mobile developer, where do you tend to see them go? Do you tend to see them more go into leadership after, after a while, or do you tend to see the plateau out? What, what tends to be the, the usual? It, it really depends on the individual. So some individuals, uh, they do want that kind of career progression and they take a path similar to what I did, right? Where you bounce around different technologies, you find the one you really love, you become an expert. And then at some point you start to get interested in this problem of the team and the organization and so on and so forth. And you move into leadership, but, uh, but plenty of other developers either they're more tech motivated and they will move sideways so maybe they will expand and cover android or or move on and do some back end you know they, they actually like really expand their their technical knowledge or maybe they even move more towards the product area if, if they're, they're that way inclined but yeah plen plenty of people i would say maybe the the norm is actually 
to just want to get really good at the thing that they're already pretty good at. And they're just kind of moving from being a, a, a decent to a good, to a great, to an excellent, to an amazing iOS developer or Android developer or whatever it is and find great satisfaction in that. But that's also where the challenge is because to keep growing on that single path, especially within one team and one organization, it is actually quite hard. And that's some of where my question was coming from, right? How do you keep those people developing at enough of a rate that they're, they're kind of happy and motivated? Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree, uh, and I think it's I think it's always refreshing with people who who wants to kind of master a trade in one sense, and I think it's kind of good in the mobile apps industry. Things are still happening quite rapidly. So, I mean, there's always new tech, there's always new framework, there's always something kind of new to 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 try out. So I think it's it's easier maybe to to linger because there's always something new to learn um yeah yeah that that's very true i mean the technology is very powerful right i mean for example we, we recently had reason to start working with the face face detection apis on android and ios and that's a whole new realm that the developers hadn't in, in our company hadn't worked with before so then it's pretty exciting to get into something that's quite different from from previous tech you've worked with. So yeah, it's definitely true. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Right, let's, let's move on. So Lobo, we'll come to you again, last but not least. Um, your question that you came to me with is how to effectively collaborate on one app when an organization becomes large enough to have multiple teams with competing priorities. Yes, um, and also to maybe give a bit bit more context to that, uh, uh, I don't think it's a secret that HelloFresh has been growing fairly rapidly, uh, especially here during the pandemic. Um, and now we have quite a lot of mobile engineers uh, within the company um, with a lot of different focus areas and we're delivering across multiple markets at the same time, uh, which obviously creates a lot of complexities because end of the day, all of this needs to be packaged into, into one binary and shipped to Google Play and, and the App Store. Um, and that, that process is, is quite complex. Uh, and it would be interesting to hear how, how other people are solving these type of scalability problems. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting and complex problem, I think, in the mobile app, right? Because like you say, it is a single, and in some ways for the user, you want it to be as small as possible as well, right? So it's not like where you can just um, explode microservices in the back end, and that's probably a good thing for the user. You're trying to keep it into a contained, simple as possible package, and therefore to expose enough surface area for a, a large team to contribute without being on top of each other is a real challenge. Um, I, I think there's sort of two sides of it, isn't there? One is the tech side, of course, you know, CICD, how, how you handle releases, how you structure the code, how you modularize it. But I think may, maybe more fundamental is, is kind of communication, right? Uh, I think uh, Conway, Conway's law comes into play, you know, this idea that organizations design systems that copy their communication structure. Um, and, and I think I, I think that that really, as, as your organization grows, 
then you, you no longer have that neat connection, right? When you have a single Android app and a small Android team, it's really simple. There is no, the Conway's law thing doesn't come into play because you have a one-to-one one -one match. And as soon as you start to expand that, you have that, that problem. And the main problem becomes one of communication, I think. I guess that's what you're, you're finding, huh? Yeah, a lot of communication, but also to some extent, technological problems, okay. um, yeah. I would say. We are currently in the state of doing a bit of a kind of a reverse Conway <laughs> maneuver. <laughs> so we we are, instead of the architecture naturally growing into the team structure, mm -hmm. we, we, are, we are actively trying to shape the architecture into how our teams are currently structured or rather our different business domains, but kind of the same things. Because the team has grown so quickly internally that the architecture hasn't really kept pace. Um, but still, communication is definitely one of the bigger issues and, and how to get people to, to commit to different priorities because whatever priority I might have as kind of a orchestrator of, of mobile in general might not necessarily align with the business priority of, mm. of one of the teams that happen to have five Android engineers working on with them or five iOS or whatever. So it's it's quite challenging, both from a political and a technical perspective. Yeah, so so you mean when, when you say architecture, you mean the architecture of the actual application, the actual code of the Android yeah. or iOS yeah, app, correct. Right, rather than correct. the infrastructure around it, yeah. Yeah. This is this is one of the things that SAFE tries to solve, right, with the PI planning and all of that, trying to yes, get the teams to kind of commit to the same to the same plan. Uh, not a huge fan of that myself. Of course, it feels like trying to do agile development in a waterfall-based theory, but I mean at least it's it's one way. Maybe that you can take a page or two from the idea of like having uh, yeah, inter-team planning meetings where you kind of agree upon, especially when it's dependencies uh, in between the teams and stuff like that. So kind of create a, a common understanding of what needs to be done and in what order. Yeah, yeah. I think I think as well, you know, what what works perfectly within a, you know, a medium, short, medium blog post doesn't match what any kind of company or organization is like, right? But I think there, there can be something to trying to work in feature teams which have separate roadmaps or KPIs or whoever you're, you're kind of organizing your, your work or your targets. But then you do, like you say, need the, the app architecture to ma match that. So there's the overhead of having to modularize the code base in such a way to make the different teams at least more or less autonomous. Because of course you can't you can't completely separate the code and not have effects on other parts of the code base. But the more you can modularize the code base and have um, very clean interfaces between the different aspects, the more you can kind of uh, separate the need to do prioritization together, right? And then then it really is more more a matter of syncing to manage uh, kind of release schedules and so on. But of course there are ways of, of doing that in a a fairly automated way, especially in a, a large-ish tech organization like HelloFresh is becoming, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, and I, I think that's that aligns very much with our internal discussions and, and what we are, are trying to achieve. We do have a lot of automations around our releases, both in terms of like creating release builds and doing the release tests, et cetera, are all that's all happening automatically. Um, but then then you always realize that something <laughs> is not turned on where it should be turned on, or someone missed something, didn't write the test for a particular case, et cetera, et cetera. And that that creates a lot of complexities for sure. Do you think, like, I think it's so natural, right, as an organization grows and grows fast, that you want to invest some of that into R&D, so into tech and developers and so on. But do you think that um, a team, certainly like a mobile team, can just be too big, you know, that or, or at least that there's no need for it to be beyond a certain size, just because the money to invest is there, may, maybe actually the needs of the, the, app, the app aren't there, and it causes more problems than solutions. I think that's a very interesting question. Um, I I haven't reflected on that, to be honest. Like, I'm sure there is a certain max size, especially when we're talking about one app. Uh, because end of the day, like if if HelloFresh would try to expand to every country in the globe, like some of our offerings in different markets would be so different from each other that it wouldn't really make sense to be the same company or the same brand or the same app any longer. So I'm, I'm sure there is a max limit, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure what that limit would be. Um, and I also think that you could like you could for sure do some some kind of split that is unrelated to the business. There's nothing really preventing us from having HelloFresh Europe versus HelloFresh Americas versus HelloFresh mm. Asia on on the app stores. Um, and I'm I'm sure there are other organizations who've done kind of artificial splits like that to to manage complexities. And then you would have some shared libraries with some central team managed, and then you would have kind of app-specific teams managing some, some of the other things. Um, in our case, we work with cross-functional teams. Um, so our backend and mobile and web developers working on the menu, for instance, are all part of the same team, um, including reporting lines and so on. And my role is more of a coordinator of the process. So we've done some of these separations already, um, but yeah, there are still a lot of interdependencies for sure. Yeah. And do you see any like do, do the velocity of the teams go down as you add more and more and more developers? Not necessarily. We did see an increase of the velocity um, for a while while we added a lot of people. Uh, now we've started to see a slight decrease again here over the last three months or so, but I'm not entirely sure that is related to the size of the team. Um, it, it might be related to other things as well, but, but we are still faster now when we are 70-ish mobile engineers compared to what, what we were two years ago when we were 2025. So at least right now we have a have a net benefit from being larger. 
in yeah. terms of velocity. So that would then in turn probably indicate that you've managed to kind of uh, break, break apart the functionality in the code base at least so that different people can work on different parts without kind of stepping on each other's toes because that would obviously be the problem if you if you just keep on adding developers to how do you work on any given feature i assume every release you're not shipping 70 features or maybe you are actually i don't know i should ask that but how do you organize the developers you have around a, a single kind of piece of work or feature as it was how do they collaborate so uh, well as, as i said uh we are split into different feature teams or business mm -hmm. domains um, where each business domain is free to organize their developers however they see fit. Uh, vast majority of them have fully cross-functional teams. And within that, they have uh, their own roadmap based on their business priorities and, and KPIs. Um, and like whatever coordination needs to happen happens usually on team level. Um, and end of the day, whenever we do a release, which is bi-weekly, so fairly often, uh, we have a bunch of new features and we have some bug fixes. Uh, often this is just permutation of existing features or rolling out a feature in an extra country. So it's rare that it's something entirely brand new built from, from scratch. Um, we include the, the, a list of all the features for every release as kind of a test plan. These are the things going out in this release. This is how we verify that this is work, working. This is automated. This needs to be manually checked. Um, and, and then I, I have a person responsible for, for test analysis and, and release management on my team who kind of coordinates the work needed there. Um, but at that point, that code has usually been in kind of the mainline branch for quite a while, since we work on trunk-based development. So people have kind of seen the code. Uh, maybe it's been hidden behind a feature toggle mm -hmm. for, for a week or two. Uh, so, so it's a fairly organic process, all in all. Yeah, and another challenge that I, I imagine you have with with a, a large team and a growing team is, of course, like knowledge sharing across the team. So, how, how do you think about that? And do, is kind of um, doc, doc, like detailed documentation or that kind of thing a, a big part of your process? Uh, it is definitely, and and this is where these chapter lead roles come in. So they have these knowledge sharing or exploration days uh, on a recurring basis. They also have a weekly meeting with all engineers of a certain discipline, talking about upcoming changes, maybe talking through an RFC about a feature someone wants to build, or just highlighting issues we've detected in the code base. Hey, we've seen a lot of things around this anti-pattern. Maybe this is something we need to talk about and, and learn from. Um, besides that, obviously documentation, as you mentioned, uh, a lot of kind of functional documentation. Now, this is how mm -hmm. this feature works. This is how this feature is supposed to be tested. Um, and, and a lot of automations around unit testing and UI testing. So not, not that much written documentation. There, you can't find a Confluence or Wiki page that details like all the features we have in the app. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. But I, I think may, maybe that can be useful, right? I mean, it sounds like you have thought through a lot of this stuff and have a lot of great processes, but certainly with such a, a large team and therefore a lot of changes going on, bring, especially with new people, that, that can be one way to increase the efficiency, right? To make sure that they really have, can get quickly get a good understanding of the current state before they, they're making the change they've been charged to make. Yeah, but I, I think it's always hard, hard to keep on top of documentation with an ever-evolving application, right? Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Well, did that answer your question overall? I Well, I'm not sure there is any answer to this particular <laughs> question. I don't think there's necessarily any answer to any of the questions we asked here, but I, I definitely think it, it gave me some good pointers. And it feels like all in all, the things HelloFresh is already focusing on seems to be the right way forward, which I'm very happy about. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Well, we'll leave it there, folks. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I just want to take this opportunity to thank um, Carl, Andy, Lobo for providing their insights on such a really interesting topic. And um, I'll catch you all next time. Thank you very much.